Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're all in good spirits, and I hope you're well. Um, <laughs> I don't want to ask you, have you done your Christmas shopping yet? Because we have. I have a great wife, and it's all wrapped as well. I have to say that she did ask me, would I help? And I said no, because she was doing so well. <laughs> well, we entered a period now of what we call a Christian period on a Christian calendar, what we call Advent, as we build towards Christmas. And we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus. And these messages that are going to come up from now are all to do with our celebration of Christmas. You know... 700 years, or more than that, uh, Isaiah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, he prophesied 700 years before Jesus was born that he was going to come. And, you know, you can read that in Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, for unto us a child is born. And I was very much tempted to go there this morning, but I'm not. You will need to read that in your own time. However, as I was preparing and as I was reading my uh, devotions, I was reading through the account as it's written in Luke and my mind was arrested or my eyes were arrested by a particular verse, which I'll draw your attention to in a moment. But what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Uh, The title of this message is The Promise of Great Joy. The Promise of Great Joy. So, Luke chapter 2, 1 to 11. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. I stopped there because it takes me back in time to when I was, I was a young boy and they said, you're going to do the reading. And that's the bit I always struggled over, Quirinius, governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee Galilee in Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a baby. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, or the Messiah, the Lord. So, why great joy? Well, This is the long-expected saviour, protector, and provider. This is Christ, the anointed one. This is the Lord and master. So that's why there was great joy. Let's just consider why we should have great joy 
at Christmas. Now, generally speaking, people think that joy at Christmas is dependent on how many presents you can buy for one another, uh, the amount of food that you can actually get into the house and feel comfortable about. Well, actually, those things are not to do with joy at Christmas, because this joy is not dependent on how big the size of the turkey is. It's not dependent on how much money you had to spend on presents. It's not dependent on the financial as a statement as given by Mr. George Osborne. And if you didn't hear it, you didn't miss much. Because what it's going to be, it's, it's going to be tough. And it's going to be austere. And I had to smile, you know, because the guys you know, who are actually, you know, George Osborne, they're giving the statement. It's going to be austere. And I'm thinking, for who? Because all the guys that are giving the statement in the House of Commons, they look comfortable. They look well tanned. <laughs> you know, it doesn't look like they're going to have a tough time. <laughs> Anyways, I mustn't go there. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because it's scripture tells us to do that. You know, pray for them. Pray for those who have good rule over you that you might have a quiet and peaceful life. Pray for them. Amen. Thank you. So, let's just look at Luke chapter 2 then. And here's the verse 10 and 11. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. We have great joy because we have a, sa- we have a Savior who is a protector and a provider. In the Greek, that word their saviour is preserver. And if you begin to meditate on, on it, this saviour is coming, it's not to, as the Jews thought, to get rid of the Romans. This saviour is coming to be a provider and a protector. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run in it and are safe. Friends, we are facing difficult times. We need a saviour because we need protection. Now, you will not find financial protection out there. Even if you have a job, it's not secure. It can disappear. Even if you have savings, you're not getting a great return on it. Even if you have a pension, those of you old enough to receive one, you can't depend on it. But this is this. This is what we want to know. This is the point we need to get. That when trouble comes, when difficulty comes, there is one who you can go to. His name is like a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And here's the question. Where are you running to? Where are you running to? What are you hoping will give you the security that you are looking for? Well, our economic situation, as it stands, is not a good place to run, is it? In terms of job or in terms of financial. We know what's happening in the societies. Lord's knocking out all the places where we used to run and get safety. But the Lord is a strong tower. You can run to him. And you know what happens in our lives? Actually, what happens is that we don't run to him. Usually what happens is we do all the things that we think we should do. And then when all else fails... We come to the Lord. Is that right? We have our own strategies. Our own mechanisms. And what God does is he knocks them all flat. And then ultimately we come to him. 
because he's the one and the only one that can provide the solution. The Lord is our protection, not our own resources. Psalm 91, and this is a very special psalm for me, Psalm 91, because uh, two, three years ago, my job disappeared, and it disappeared in a way that was not nice. And the Lord gave me this psalm. Psalm 91, verses 1 to 7. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's a declaration for him. That's a decision. That is a conscious decision that you choose that you're going to make the Lord your dwelling place. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. Two things going on there. When people are scheming to destroy you and setting a snare for you, the Lord will be your protection. And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be a shield and a rampart. Not your faithfulness, his faithfulness and commitment to you. As a child of God, as his son, as his daughter, his commitment to you. You will not fear the terror of night. You know what night's about? When you don't know where the money's going to come from to pay the bills, you can't sleep. Hello? When you're twisting and turning, and if you're married, your wife's saying to you, why is it you're not sleeping? And you're thinking, well, why aren't you? or you're worried over the job situation, or the pressure is just too much. Nor the arrow that flies by day. Those are the accusations of the enemy that come against you when you failed, or you haven't done what you should have done, or you knew you should have done it, and he's reminding you that you don't deserve God's provision because. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness those things that want to come upon us and stop us from achieving who we are in Christ. Nor the plague that destroys at midday. Here it is. A thousand may fall at your side. That was the verse the Lord gave me. Ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Why? Because you've made the Lord your refuge. Friends, you can have great joy that... In God, there is a safety. When you choose, when you come to full God in your time of difficulty, when the pressure's too much and you come to him and say, Lord, be my protection. Scripture says, my father, Jesus said, is greater than all and none can pluck you out of my hand. When you make the Lord your refuge, when you come to him, when you don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him and allow him to direct your path. I tell you, two years ago, when that happened to me and the job just disappeared like that, the Lord gave me that other verse. Don't trust on your own understanding. But seek my face. Trust me. Make me, let me be your refuge. Don't worry about the job. I'm going to provide for you. Verse 8 goes on to say, and you, you will say, and then you will see the demise of the wicked. You will look on and see the demise of the wicked. Well, I happen to say that 
what happened to me two and a half years ago, the people involved in that, I noticed two years later that they had disappeared from the organization. Gone. You know, sometimes we have to allow God to be the righteous judge. We have to allow God. Sometimes the situations you are fighting over and you feel that you need to get justice. The Lord gave me a verse from 1 Peter, I think 1 Peter 2, 21, 23, that the Lord, even though he was chastised, he commended himself to God who judges righteously. And that was the verse God said to me, move on then and entrust yourself to God who judges righteously. When you make the Lord your strong tower, you're still, you will still be standing. When all those around you who are either against you or not for you, who put their trust in their resources, in their knowledge, in their education, in their reputation, are gone. Because you've made the Lord your refuge. You can have great joy about that. That you have an answer to the ultimate statement. That austerity is not your future. Because we have a God who is not dependent upon the natural resources or economics of this nation. His resources are not limited. Matthew 6, 31, 33 says this. So do not worry about what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. For the pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Friends, your heavenly father knows what you need. He knew it before Maslow knew it. Some of you know what I'm talking about, you know, hierarchy of needs, yo. Yeah? He knew it before Maslow knew it. He knows what you need and he will provide it. But what he says to you, this is the antidote to being careful. Nothing wrong with being frugal, right? But God isn't really frugal. He's generous. But he says, look, seek first my kingdom. Be concerned about the things that I'm concerned about. Reach out to the things that I'm reaching out to. And all these things, all the things that you need, what you need to wear, what you need to eat, I will provide. The Lord's resources, I'll say it again, are not limited. He can do immeasurably more above what we ask or even think, according to the power that works where? For those who love Jesus mightily within us. So, we can also rejoice because Christ is the anointed one. And that word there, Christ, it means anointed one. Come with me to Isaiah 61, 1, 3, one of my favorite scriptures here. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to what? Preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Here it is. Why we can rejoice? Because this Christ brings healing to the brokenhearted. Friends, you know, I work in the, as you know, as a chaplain for the YMCA. And YMCA does great work in terms of, you know, they'll get you housed, they'll feed you, they'll do a personal development program with you, they'll help you to get your, your personal esteem back. However, as I have interaction with the clients or the residents, more often or not, what they're suffering from is brokenheartedness. What they're suffering from is pain and despair. One lady, I just happened to be passing through, and I just saw a face, and I just saw that look of despair, estranged from her husband, estranged from her two beautiful sons, desperate. Yes, she's got food. Yes, she has accommodation. But the issues of her heart have not been dealt with. And Chris said it rightly. All of the other things that we've mentioned there, housing, food, other agencies will deal with that. But only the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ can bind up the brokenhearted. Only God can come and minister comfort and a hope to that dear woman. And it just happened, I just prayed with her and the comfort of God and the compassion of God was upon her. And she happened to be going to a new Zion church in, in Welling and she hadn't been for a while. And so we were able to reconnect her back up there with Pete and Rose. He came to bound out the broken heart. Freedom from addiction. You know what, how addiction happens because of the woundedness and the brokenness. You seek some form of self-medication. The medication that you seek is actually self-destructive. Whether it's drink, drugs, pornography, whatever it is, it's destroying you. But Jesus came to break the power of that. To restore that which has been stolen from you. To heal. To cleanse. And give you back that which was yours or rightly from the beginning that was stolen from us by the thief, who's a, a, the thief, the enemy, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Freedom from guilt and shame. Many of these folk have guilt and shame. We all have, at, some, to, at certain levels, guilt and shame. But Jesus, the anointed one, came to release us from that. The gospel is holistic. It doesn't just impact you at a cognitive level so you understand righteousness and sanctification. He comes to deal with your heart. He, he wants to set you free in spirit, soul, and body. He wants to make you what you were in, he intended you to be from the beginning. He's not interested in half measures. The process of what we call sanctification is so that God restores you to, to a better place than you were before the fall. That's the goal. You know, when we have programs like Restore and that, we're not just doing it for fun. It's part of the redemptive process. And you don't just do the course and then you're finished. You're on it for life. We're all in the process of being restored. We're all in the process of being renewed. And Jesus, the anointed one, came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to restore that which was stolen from us. He's, he came to give joy and hope to those who have despair and who are grieving. So we can rejoice. We can have great joy because he is Lord. 
and he is master. Come with me now to Matthew 4, 38. Let me read you this story. Jesus was in a stern, sleeping on a cushion. Disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He is Lord and master over every storm we will face. He is Lord and master over every storm that we will face. Whatever's going on in your life, circumstantially, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, he is Lord and master over it. Thank you. He is Lord and master over every storm that we will face, individually and corporately. You know why? Because Jesus said this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Paul said this, that this Jesus is raised up far above every name, that is named not only in this world, but that which is to come. This Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. He's the master of the universe. He's the master of your situation. He's the master of your circumstances. He's the master of any situation that you are in. When you call upon him. A couple of weeks, I don't think last week or two weeks ago, or not even that, less than 10 days ago, my daughter Rachel, you know, she is a teacher. She travels up to London every day from Dunstable. And over the last couple of weeks, she's had about three punctures in her tyre. Tesco's van backs into her, just pushes the bonnet up a bit. Then... One day now, she rings me, she goes down to London last Monday, and she rings me, says, Dad, I'm still on the motorway. She leaves at six. So she's been on the motorway now four, four hours. There was quite a crash. There was a crash on the Sunday morning. I think people lost their lives. Anyway, yeah, she said we were talking. Then a couple of hours later, she says, Dad, come off the motorway. The exhaust has dropped off. OK, I said, right, RAC. So she gets the RAC out. The RAC man comes along, fixes it. I get another phone call now. Dad, I just had a crash. I said, are you all right? She says, yes. What happened? She said, well, just as I was going to take off, drive away, BMW, good cars, (laughs) crashes into me, knocks the wing. Fortunately now, the RAC driver um, man was there, so he was a witness. There's always a silver lining. And then the, gen- the guy says, oh, this is totally my fault, my response. I take full responsibility and culpability for it. Anyway, the long and short of it, before the outcome that I'm going to tell you came, I, I get on the phone to Chris, I said, look, Chris, 
Not that we like to empower the enemy and say everything's from the devil, but I think something's going on here. You know, because it's definitely, you know, so we prayed and we took authority in the name of Jesus and prayed protection, etc. Anyway, she gets a call from the insurance company, his insurance company, and they said, well, yes, not only will we repair the car, but we will also provide a courtesy car for you, bring the car at any time. So I'm thinking, well, Lord, there is a silver lining here. Because what I didn't tell you was that we were going to have to, to repair the bonnet ourselves. But now they'll do the bonnet and they'll do the, the, all the other bits as well. You see, so we had a result. Bless God, God is good. Yeah? We're in a warfare, we're in a battle. But, you know, the Lord is master over our situations. That's exactly. Result, Eileen, my wife, is very happy because we lent her up Eileen's car. And she loves that car. <laughs> you know? But God's provision. So what seeing, you know, there's an attack coming, etc. But God is Lord over our situation, over our circumstances. Here's the point. Providing we involve him. Providing we involve him. So this promise of great joy for all people is, we have, is because Jesus is, is Savior, who is what? Christ the Lord. And friends, he's our saviour, he's our provider, he's our protector. He's Christ, the anointed one, who comes to heal our hearts and make us whole. And he's Lord over every situation and circumstances we're going to face. Not only just over Christmas, but in the next year. Isn't that something to rejoice over, folks? This was the great joy. This is the great joy. And this is the good gospel that we preach. And other outside organizations, yes, will feed people and clothe people, but the church has a responsibility to declare the good news that the Savior, Jesus, is Christ, and he is Lord, and he is ruling and he is reigning in his church and in this world. And he's ruling and reigning in our lives. Amen. Isaac Watts, who was a, a hymn writer from the 18th century, he put it in this, like this, and you know, Chris was saying to me about a, a traditional, and I'm finishing now. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth rejoice, her king, and let, e let earth rejoice, her king. Let every heart prepare for him, prepare him room. Let me just read it here. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let us our sing, songs employ. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. You know, we don't sing hymns here, but I get excited about that, you see. <laughs> that this is Jesus. He rules and he reigns. Yeah, let us rejoice. The fact that we can have joy in the midst of all of this, because our joy is not dependent on the things of this world. It's on a saviour who sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, having made purification for our sins once for all. This is a saviour who ever lives to make intercession for you and I that our faith may not fail. A saviour who is our provider, who's our protector. A saviour who is Lord over the earth and over our situation and over our circumstances. A Lord who is the anointed one who binds up the brokenhearted, 
proclaims release to the captives, brings you, it will give you a garland of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's our Jesus, friends, and that's why we should rejoice. Amen. Let's stand. Come on, band. Amen. While you're standing, just, I want you just to allow God to just touch your heart with the enormity of what he has provided for us. That we have great joy. We have a great message. And he is going to be all of those things to you as you go through this year and into next year. He is your savior. He is Christ, the anointed one who is going to bind up your broken heart, bring light and life and love to those areas in your life where you need it. And he's your Lord. Whatever it is that the enemy may have has to, to try and keep you down, Jesus is Lord over it. Because he made an open show of principalities and powers. He triumphed over them at the cross. And every certificate, every decree that was hostile to you that would keep you down, has been nailed to that tree and the blood of Jesus has cleansed it and you are free now to come into his presence and you can come before the throne of grace and you can receive whatever grace and whatever mercy you need for your time of need because that's our God, a great God. Father, we bless your name. No one like you. Lord, were it not for you, where would we be? But your good hand has been upon us. And this promise of joy, we pray that it will break in on our hearts afresh like a tsunami. That you are our savior, you're our, our provider, you're our protector. That you are the anointed one who holds us and comforts us, that binds up our broken heart takes the fear and the sadness that's within our hearts and replaces it with joy and with hope. That you are our Lord and Master. That you rule and reign in the affairs of men and in the affairs of our lives. Lord, we would take refuge in you. We would run to you now and hide ourselves under the shadow of your wing. Knowing that you are our Father. And you know our frame, oh God, that we are but dust. But as a Father has compassion on his children, so you have compassion on us. So we ask you, Father, that this promise of great joy will be a reality in our hearts. Jesus' name. Amen.